Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you choose to listen to this podcast. This is episode number two of The 34 Show, and I will be your host, Riley Gray. I have another awesome episode for you all. It includes a great interview I recorded with the current Bantamweight champ in the Montreal Fight League and a former Little League baseball teammate of mine, Liam Gallagher. We spent about 15 minutes talking about MMA, his training during a fight camp, and also got into his thoughts on some of the upcoming UFC title fights. Following the interview, I'll be be going over some of my thoughts from the most recent Raptors and Leafs wins, touching on the Bobby Webster signing, telling you my final thoughts on Super Bowl weekend and who I decided to pick for my fantasy pool, and finishing it off with some of my thoughts from the upcoming fight night in the UFC. I think now's a good time to send it over to the Liam interview. Enjoy. All right, and we're back. I am pleased to be joined by a special guest on today's podcast, my former Little League Ancaster Cardinals teammate, the Waco 2019 K1 Canadian National Champion and current bantamweight champ in the Montreal Fight League. Welcome to the show, Liam Gallagher. What's going on, dude? How's it going? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So uh, first question I got for you is I'm just going to go back a few years and just when you really started uh, training and taking it seriously, when did you kind of know that you wanted to compete in MMA and kind of make this a livelihood for you? Oh, well, I started training when I was about 15 or 16 in high school, actually with a girlfriend's older brother at the time. And he kind of got me into it. And like, I was always a fan of the sport and always had the intentions to compete. When I was about 18, I started, me and a buddy of mine started training and we were actually looking at getting an MMA fight. But at the time, MMA was illegal. There's a few things going on. So I actually started with kickboxing. Okay. Started having the kickboxing fights and the kickboxing just kind of got my feet wet, was started to get interested in it realized that there's a career possible career opportunities with it just went from there yeah no man that's dope uh yeah so i just saw like on your instagram that you're you were going to fight island then just got canceled uh, a couple days back uh so like what are your plans for fights in the coming months with like the pandemic and things like that yeah actually a lot has changed over the last like two days so i was supposed to be fighting in mexico on february 27th against alabar atma who's five and two from calgary so it was a good fight it was gonna be good and i was supposed to leave for california and go down to team alpha male on the fourth but since with all the new travel restrictions and all the bans and everything yeah that that event won't be happening which is pretty unfortunate i was looking forward to getting back in there and getting a fight i haven't fought since august so but yeah, yeah, that's fair. As, as even for like the guys on the pro circuit right now, it's, it's tough to get fights. Like, unless you're in one of the bigger organizations, the UFC, Bellator, it's, there's not much going on for anything. So it's tough. It's yeah, tough that, for right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So like just kind of sticking with the pandemic, like with it running its course throughout the world, has it been difficult to like stay motivated when you're training and things like that? Or have you been able to kind of like stay the course? Uh, the motivation's always there. Uh, definitely, like, it's what I want to do. So day by day, like, the work ethic, I'm still grinding, still training every day. But uh, with the pandemic, definitely makes things harder by not being able to train with your normal training partners at the gym. Like, not not doing it being in your normal daily routine, which yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different, and especially now that it's been going on for a year. I was lucky in, like, one of my two fights ago, I fought right before the pandemic hit. And so I was lucky, got to have a good fight. And I fought in August again, like I had a training camp during the pandemic and it was a bit different. Like we went out to California for the month for like, as part of my training camp, which made it a lot better because everything around here was closed, but it's definitely not ideal not being able. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so when it, like kind of going off uh, on training camps and things like that, when you have, when you have a fight coming up, whether it's like two months away or things like that, do you like train differently for each person you're going to go up against? I would assume like your training camp's going to be different, whether you're fighting different people, their styles and things like that. Yeah. Like, so your training camp will, it's typically like six to eight weeks. Like I stay in shape. I stay training all the time. So like, it's never really like too much of like a weight factor or anything for me. Like, so once my training camp starts, normally like the first four weeks or hard weeks, like, you know, dieting, getting your weight on track, like staying specific to certain opponents. Like if you're going to fight a grappler or a striker, like kind of use the first four weeks to base your training off of your opponent kind of in that sense. And then the last two weeks are normally like weight cut and recovery and just getting, getting ready for the fight, that mental aspect of the fight and getting ready. But yeah, like as per opponents per training camp, like this guy that I was going to fight Alibar, like I knew that he was a strong striker. He was, I was going up and weight at 145. So it was a bigger weight class for me. So my plan was going to be to wrestle with them. I was going to look to take him down. I knew he wasn't the strongest wrestler. So that was going to be the approach going into the training camp and in, and into the fight. So it's too bad it couldn't happen. Yeah, no, that definitely sucks. It looked like it was really cool, like the fight island, the whole aspect of it, kind of like mimicking the UFC. Looked pretty pretty dope. Um, so I know that one of your trainers and someone you always have in your corner, Josh Hill, he's uh, 2-0 and in his first few Bellator fights. Seeing him move over to Bellator and have success in it, is that something you'd want to do down the road? yeah so yeah for sure josh is like like an older brother to me he's a big inspiration someone i look up to and follow his career quite a bit too and try to emulate a lot of what he does uh bellator is a really good promotion they're good to him they're good to all their fighters they pay well uh josh is actually he's right now in talks for like title contention fight for them at 135 so oh, wow. okay yeah so big things are coming for him and uh Definitely, like between like UFC and Bellator, like the meccas of the sport, they're the, they're where you want to be. They're the top of the line, the top athletes, the best guys you can get. And it's cool having like or being around a guy on a daily basis who's at that level and knows what it takes to get to that level. So yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, that's definitely cool. Uh, so with you like fighting out of Vision Quest, I see you got the hoodie on and stuff. Yeah, and being, yeah being around so many uh, like good fighters in the gym that are working every day, does it kind of make it easier training knowing that you have so many like talented fighters training with you with the same goals? Yeah, it like it definitely shows like what it takes to get to that point because you you have guys all in between. You have guys at the amateur level, like in a daily like training room at a pro practice. You got guys at amateur. You got guys who are like mid level pros who are like on the doorsteps, like the UFCs, the Bellator. Like they just need a couple more wins, and then you got the guys who are established and like at that level. And you can kind of see the growth in between, like what what it takes to get to those next steps, and just the commitment. Like it's a lifestyle. It's not something you can fake. Like you got to be mentally into it and physically committed day in and day out. Just being around the older guys, it helps seeing that their dedication and what it takes. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that, that definitely must be good. Uh, good for you uh, working out with them. Um, so I've seen in some of like your Instagram posts that uh, you have Mark in your corner. Uh, oh, yeah. Is it, is it cool having someone you've known for so long be in your corner during the fights? Is it kind of just cool to have like a, a lifelong friend there with you? Yeah. So yeah, Mark's like, he's always there. He's like, he's my good luck. That's why I tell him good luck, Sharon. We're undefeated together, six and zero together. Oh, so there you go. 
Yeah, and uh, he's just good. He's good to have there for like a motivational purpose too. Like you know, someone I've known, been with my entire life. If I need him, he'll tell me to dig deep. If I'm losing, going into a third round, I need to dig deep. He's he's there for those. Josh is the tactical, putting all the putting all the plans and forth. Mark's just there for motivational support and helping out. Yeah, that's fair. Being with him, like playing baseball, and that <laughs> yeah. he knows like your competitive side and stuff. So it's cool yeah. having him there. Yeah, he knows when I need to kick it up a notch and get the win, do what I got to do. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so I, I like I'm sure you watch like or seen highlights of the McGregor Poirier fight. And yeah. With with Connor taking a loss like that, what what do you see him doing for his next fight? Do you think there's someone like that he matches up well with to get back in the win column, or is it going to be kind of tough fights from here on out? Uh, yeah, that was definitely tough watching that last week. And I'm a big McGregor fan. I think that the Diaz trilogy would probably be the best fight for him to come back to. Like, I think on paper, it's definitely a fight you should win. Uh, it'd be a good way to big fight, big money. Like obviously it's the trilogy between the two of them. And I think it's a good way to get himself back in the win column. I don't think the trilogy with Dustin is something to do yet. I think Dustin's on a bit of a different path. I think I think Connor's got to win at least one or two more until they can put him back into title contentions. But I'd like to see Dustin fight for the belt next. Yeah, and kind of going off that, who do, who would you want Dustin to fight for the belt? Like, there's a lot of speculation, like who he's going to fight: Chandler, Oliveira, yeah. people like that. Who who do you, who would you want uh, to fight? That the UFC's 155 lightweight division is stacked right now. They have like you got Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. You got tons of RDA. He's another one that people are forgetting about in that division. There's uh, there's a lot of guys I'd like to see probably. I think Dustin and Charles would be a really good fight. Dustin and Charles Oliveira. Like it's probably not the gonna draw the biggest numbers or anything. Like if you're looking for publicity, then I'd say probably Chandler and Dustin might be the one to make. But I still think Chandler's a little new to the UFC to be giving him a title shot right away. But that like. Their whole top 10 at 155 is pretty stacked. And I'd say any of those guys will match up good for title fights or contender fights for sure. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's definitely, uh, definitely for sure. Um, so kind of going up into like the heavyweight division in the UFC, you have John Jones coming back to fight. Yeah. Probably the winner of Miocic and uh, Francis Ngannou. Who do you see him fighting? And do you think he'll be able to win when he comes back? Yeah, like I think John Jones is just a crazy athlete and he's just one of those guys. I think that I think he's still in his prime. Like he's obviously getting towards the end of it, but like I still think he has what it takes to to become a champion and to stay and defend as a champion. I think Stipe wins against Nganu. I like Stipe a lot. I think he's a really smart fighter and like it's not just a one-trick pony. He's got more than just a heavy hand for a heavyweight. He moves well. He sees things well. He knows when to adapt if he's losing on the feet to like change things up and wrestle. But I think that's I think that's even a tough matchup for John. If Stipe wins and Stipe versus John, that would be a really good fight. I think that's a fight that both of them would want. Yeah, so yeah. that would be what as a fan what I'd like to see. There's a couple. There's this guy Cyril Gone who's coming up in the heavyweight division right now. I think he actually just signed a fight the other day with the UFC, but he actually used to fight in a Canadian promotion called TKO. And I watched okay. him when he was in, I watched him when he was in TKO or they're, they're actually, they were out of Montreal too. And uh, I'd say he's probably in the heavyweight division. One of the biggest prospects who's going to make a run at that belt. He's from France, but mm. just cool to him fight on the Canadian scene. And now he's making a name in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. Making, making his way up to like the big stage. That's the, yeah. Cool. And then uh, just like another fight, the Adesanya one moving up to fight Blahovic at light, light heavyweight. Like, 
do you think like he wins that fight and stays there? Or does he drop back down to kind of maybe yeah. fight with Costa or something like that? I don't know what's going to happen there. Like Israel's obviously his striking's second to none. And I and he's a, from what I understand, he's a pretty big guy. Like when you see him in person too. So I don't think he's going to have like a big, it's not going to be tough for him to go up to light heavyweight, but I don't know. It's always, it's always something new when you're switching divisions, fighting new guys, heavier guys, bigger guys. I think he's more than capable of doing it. And who knows, maybe he's one of those guys he's capable of bouncing back between the two divisions. Who knows? But yeah, that's an interesting fight too. That's going to happen. I'm not sure what I think. I like, I've, I'm a big Izzy fan too. Like, so I'd like to see him win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of good fights coming up. The UFC has got pretty stacked. Like yeah. next couple months, it should be pretty entertaining. All things considering with the pandemic and everything, they were, they kept up a good year in 2020 and they had a lot of good fights and kind of broke the barrier of like bringing sports back. They were the first sport to come back. They started fight Island, like every other organization started to follow suit. So yeah, yeah they did, they did, they did a lot of good things all everything considered in 2020. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely true. And then just last question about the UFC with Khabib, like staying retired and not really being interested to come back and fight anyone. Do you think he comes back to ever fight again? Or do you think he's done for good? I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'd like to see him come back and go 30, you know, like he's another one. He's just like a freak athlete, but he's also got really strong heritage and beliefs. And like, from what I understand, it's his family, his mother who doesn't want him to fight again. So I feel like he's the kind of guy that will stick to that and will stay retired. It's not like he needs the money. He doesn't need to come back. Uh, but w- I would, I would love to see him fight again, but if it's going to happen or not, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. Yeah, still a little, pr- little early still. Like I saw the interview with him and Dana and Dana was saying that he's going to come back. And I've seen other interviews with Jessica Khabib saying that he's not coming back. So you know, it's, I have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, it's tough with some of these fighters. They always like retire, come back, or they 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 never really make up their mind and stay retired for good. Yeah. Um, and then just my last question, like with the future kind of uncertain with the pandemic and things like that, do you have like a fighter in mind that you'd want to fight in the in the MFL or or anyone in particular that you've always wanted to go up against? Uh, in MF, MFL, there's this actually one of their 125 pound champion, Tommy Morrison. He was talking about coming up to 135 and wanting to fight me. I, I like that fight a lot. I probably only have maybe one or two more amateur fights left until I like look at going pro. I'd say probably okay. this year, uh, probably by the end of 2021, I will look at signing a pro contract somewhere. But the Tommy Morrison fight in MFL would definitely be one that I would like before before that happens. Me, me and Tommy were actually talking about fighting on this card in Mexico, but I guess his camp didn't feel like it was enough time for him to get ready to come up a weight division. So maybe because now they're saying it's going push back until May. So who knows? Maybe in May, me and him will get to go at it. I wouldn't yeah, mind no, that. that. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be a, that'd be a hell of a fight. So- yeah, it's a good matchup. Yeah, and then you just said that you uh, you have a couple more fights left, just like in the amateur scene, and you want to go pro. Do you have anywhere that you, in particular, you'd like to sign with? Yeah, so there's actually a, a promotion out of Ontario called BTC out of Burlington Training Center is like the what BTC stands for, and ideally, like them would be like the promotion that I'd look to sign my first pro contract with and get a couple fights with them. So that's kind of the, the way it's looking. Things change. You never know what's going to happen as far as 
in Ontario, pros haven't like a low level pro hasn't got to fight in over a year because there hasn't been any shows or anything. So hopefully once the COVID slows down and things get back to normal, I'll be looking at signing with them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's uh, that's pretty sick. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely be watching out, following you, and yeah, good luck with uh, any of the other fights that you get. Um, thank you for coming on, man. It's been no, thank sick. you. And then, uh, yeah, I'll have you back on for some big fights, maybe some fight yeah. uh, previews, things like that. Uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, uh, thank you for doing it. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, have a good day, man. Peace. Yeah. I am back, and I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Liam. It was it was really awesome to kind of sit down with someone in the uh, in the amateur fight scene, kind of coming up in the pro circuit, about to sign his pro contract after his next few fights. It was great to just talk to him about kind of what he does on a daily basis, how he trains for how he trains for each camp, and uh, what what's kind of different between each one. You know, kind of setting out a game plan and executing that in a camp leading up to the fight was really cool to learn about and see and get, getting his thoughts on the upcoming title fights in the UFC was awesome too to kind of have that MMA perspective on what he thinks is going to happen in those fights so we're going to start things off with my Raptors thoughts a great win over the Orlando Magic I think everybody everybody knows now that Fred wants this to be his team like I said in the last episode he he wants he wants the Toronto Raptors to be Fred Van Fleet's team he just signed the four-year 80 million dollar contract he wants to prove that he deserves that contract and I think he did obviously with his record setting points performance he was just out there he was like a man on a mission it was it was something that you've seen before and it it just shows time in and time out that that he is he is going to be their their point guard of the future, and I think it was just awesome to see him kind of go off and and carry the team to a victory. I mean, we we've we've seen it before in games, but 54 points is just insanity. And he was 11 14 from three. I mean, he was not missing. It it was it was really good to see him kind of have the confidence in finding his shooting stroke mid-game. It was, it was really awesome. And just 17 of 23 from the field, it was, it was, that's just an unheard of performance. And kind of seeing him take over the Raptors record for points in a game, it was, it, it was really awesome. I mean, they, they put a beat down on a Magic team who, who at the start of the year was doing well. I mean, they were the top team in the East. I know they can't kind of stay that status quo of, beating all these teams for the entire year but I think uh I think the Magic didn't know what to do after a certain point when Fred was up to like 35 40 points they were it was like they weren't even guarding him and he was just draining everything he was shooting it was really cool to see see him do that and see them get a big win when they needed it I think I think when he's locked in like that and the team is locked in it they they can they can really beat anyone and compete with anyone uh maybe not like teams like the Lakers or Clippers in the West um, but I think in the East they can they can beat anyone they go up against. They they have a few games coming up against the Sixers and Bucks, so I think that can that can be a real test for them to see see what they can do and see how they match up against like the bigger teams in the East. And I think you saw another like vintage Lowry performance. He's 14, 10, and 10. He's just the general out there. He, he's he's passing the torch to Fred, and you can see it. But he's still going to be getting his numbers, getting his buckets when they need him to. And I think come down crunch time, it's going to be Van Fleet and Lowry taking the shots. I just can't see Siakam 
taking a three-point shot with 10 seconds left in the game. I just don't think that's his game. But whenever they need a three or they need need that big bucket, I think they got to go to their two guards, Kyle and Fred. So we saw yesterday that they locked up their GM, Bobby Webster, on a multi-year extension. That's great. Bobby has been under the wing of Masai this entire time, making deals, signing the right players, just got the Fred Van Fleet contract done. I think it leaves every Raptors fan kind of worried as to what's coming next for Masai Ujiri. I mean, you got to think he's getting offers from teams. I saw a report that the Washington Wizards are wanting to pursue him. I don't know how, how exciting that is to him, but I feel like he he's kind of... If the Raptors aren't making a deal for him at this point, I, I think he's going to start exploring options. Uh, you got to think that after the championship, landing Kawhi and kind of doing it all in Toronto, he's going to want to switch things up. He's going to want to try something new. That's why I think like even a team like the Wizards or just kind of the bottom of the barrel teams who are trying to rebuild, trying to get to that upper echelon of of teams in the NBA I think he's gonna want to go to a team like that he's gonna want to do what he did with the Raptors kind of bring them up from that first round second round exit playoff team land that big star and just see if he can win another championship I I I I mean I think every Raptors fan including myself would love to have him back he's he's unreal at his job he gets gets things done he makes moves when you need them and I don't think he we've had really any negative thoughts or feelings towards Masai this entire time but if the Raptors can't lock him up I I, I guess we're just gonna have to run with Bobby Webster and that's not bad either but I just think Masai takes things to another level that not many people in the NBA can do. Switching gears to the Toronto Maple Leafs a big 7-3 victory last night against the struggling Vancouver Canucks. Um, like I said in my last episode, the Leafs are top of the NHL for, for the first time in a long time. I mean, I can't remember the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs were first in the NHL. They look phenomenal. They look in sync. They have a good timing on a lot of plays in the offensive zone. Marner just seems to be vintage Marner, dating back to like the London Knights days where he's putting up hundreds of points in seasons. He just looks really good out there. He's finding finding his stride. He's finding people at the right times. Last night, him and Matthews were connecting on a lot of goals. I, th I think that's, as a Leafs fan, you'd love to see that. Uh, that's what we need from our big two. And then Tavares and Nylander as well. They've been playing great. Their power play is a top five power play in the league. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. Every time they get a power play, it seems like they're going to score. They move the puck around so well, and they always find that open guy in the slot on the far side it's been really fun to watch them bully teams when they get the man advantage like last night it seemed like there was penalties for both sides on each each team and you could just see that the Leafs were capitalizing way more on them than, than the Canucks are granted the Canucks they do have the young firepower but I don't think they're at that point yet Pedersen hasn't looked good all year uh Horvath's looked okay Besser's looked okay but not to the caliber that I think the Leafs have been playing at this year and then I mean, I can't go without saying Jason Spezza. I mean, what a performance from the old man. Comes alive and puts up a hat trick. In, the, in their win against Vancouver last night, um, it, it looked like vintage Jason Spezza to me. I mean, back from his Ottawa Senators days when he would just split the D, skate down, and shelf. I mean, he, he, he was doing it all last night. He got a nice goal in the slot, top right, over Thatcher Demko, and then... His, his third goal to get the Hattie just 
busted it down the left side, cutting to the middle and just tucking it in on the right side of the net. It just looked really good. And I think he was flying around and he showed the Leafs coaches why he deserves to be in the lineup and not to be sent down to the taxi squad. I was hearing rumors before this game that they were thinking about sending him down just to bring up younger players and get some get some other legs in the lineup. But I think he showed right there in that game that he's here to stay and I don't think he wants to get sent down to the taxi squad. He, he's here to play in the NHL and I think he, he still has a lot to give to this team, which is which is great if you're a Leafs fan. Seeing that last night, vintage, vintage Jason Spezza, how can you not be excited about that? A fourth line guy putting up points like that. It's, it was really awesome to see, and I, I hope he can keep it going. And they have two other games against Vancouver coming up. First one is going to be on Saturday night. I think they got to go back to Freddie in that game. I think Freddie, he looked good. He didn't. He wasn't really challenged with much. Um, one goal that they, their third goal they scored, Vancouver blocker side. I mean, he seems to always be letting goals in low blocker, and I just, I think he needs to work on that. That's something he, I'm sure, knows that has to get better if they want to compete at the highest level come playoff time, but I feel like he needs the net again on Saturday to get the Leafs another victory, and then you can you can shove Hutchison in there on Monday and just let him try to scrape out a win and let, let the offense do their thing and sweep sweep the Canucks here on this, on this little uh, three-game series. Switching gears again, I am going to talk about my Super Bowl dilemma, or should I say previous Super Bowl dilemma, because it is over. I've decided to go with the Chiefs for my fantasy playoff pool. 100% confident. Chiefs are going to bury the Bucks. I think what sold it for me, I was watching Sportsnet and just seeing the highlights of George Kittle and Tyree Kill connecting with Mahomes throughout the year. I mean, I don't think there is no other offense in the league like them. I mean, I think they're so unique and so dynamic that they're just going to put up a thousand points against the Bucks, and it's just not even going to be a contest. I think Tom's obviously going to come out hungry for his seventh ring. But I feel like Mahomes is just going to have that extra gear. He's just going to give it to the Bucks whenever he wants. And he can just do it with such ease. And and I'm really excited just to see him go off and, and uh, make me some money in this pool. I, I was watching another video on, on ESPN. And it's just it, it shows the comparisons of George Kittle and Rob Gronkowski. And I think, I think Kittle is that slightly better version of Gronk. And in their primes, I think I would take George Kittle over Gronk. Kittle's just, he's like a wide receiver just massive out there he's a tight end playing wide receiver as well like it, it is insane how he moves on the field and how he kind of he always just seems to bully the other team to get where he wants and then the ball is just in his hands because Mahomes throws it on a dime it's just it, it's going to be really cool to see and I think it's going to be a great great game come Sunday and I don't think Tom's getting his seventh I think the Chiefs are going to go back to back uh, I really do I think if Mahomes can lock up this Super Bowl here, if he keeps going on the, the path he is, I think he has a chance at being better than Tom Brady. I mean, if Tom upsets him and torches my cash, then I don't think there is a chance that Mahomes could ever be better than Brady. I mean, how can you be better than a guy who's early to mid-40s and he just stomps you in your prime? I don't I don't, I don't, know, but I guess we're going to see on Sunday, and, I, and I'm excited to watch the game, see some brutal Canadian Super Bowl commercials and hopefully some good American commercials. And lastly, I am going to touch on the UFC fight night we got tomorrow night. We have a surprisingly decent card. I mean, not decent as in they're going to be extremely good fights. I think it's decent because of the names you have you have some a lot of like older names who have been in the ufc or in the fight game for a while you got michael johnson going up against clay guido that'll be a great fight i think i think michael johnson has something to prove i think he can i think he can come away with that fight then you got the 
old man Frankie Edgar go, going in in the co-main event. Um, I think I, I I don't know. I think Fra- Frankie Edgar's time has passed. Um, I don't I don't see anything happening in that fight. But the fight that I'm most mostly interested in is the main event. Got two behemoths of humans stepping into the octagon. You got Alistair Overeem, arguably one of the best strikers ever to ever to step foot in the in the heavyweight division or the UFC in general. He is just insane. The way he throws his hands, the way he kicks people. I remember watching the Alistair Overeem Brock Lesnar fight and he just he he ended Brock Lesnar with a leg kick to the stomach. I mean that just must be feel like you're getting hit by a hit by a Mack truck in there but he's going up against a great veteran fighter in in Alexander Volkov I mean I think Alistair's gonna go in there and try to do what he does best just kind of settle down settle in start throwing his huge bombs that he has and just try to knock Volkov out I think I'm gonna take Overeem in this fight just because he looks like he's a man on a mission he wants to come back and, and try to make a make a name for himself again and and fight for the title if he could one more time i mean he's 40 years old he's he's not getting any younger but i think that his last few fights he's been a man on a mission and i think he wants to kind of put the ufc and all these younger players on notice that he's still here and he still wants to make a run for that for that heavyweight championship i don't blame him but i i don't think he's gonna <laughs> ever get there with stipe and stipe and john john jones coming coming back and fighting in heavyweight but you never know and i, I hope he can get it done done on saturday night versus uh volkov that is going to be it for episode number two of the 34 show i hope everyone enjoyed it um it's been great recording these episodes and interviewing people um i can't wait to keep doing it and putting out these episodes every monday and friday thank you for listening and i will see you monday